Welcome to the Weight Release Revolution podcast. I'm your host, Bron Martin, the hypnotic weight whisperer. This podcast is for women who are so over diets, but you still want to release weight. And if diets don't work, and we know they don't from hard-won experience, then what do we do? It's all good. Now you're in the right place. I'm going to share practical tools, inspiration, insights, and a little bit of mind-bendy hypno-magic to support you in your weight release journey. So let's get started, shall we? In this episode, I'm going to share my story with you of how I released 27 kilos and received everything, major upgrades across all areas of my life. Where does every story start? Once upon a time, there was a little girl. (laughs) No, I'm not going to take you back that far. So when I was growing up, uh, we had, yeah, we had food insecurity issues. I'll put it that way. So we'd have to make food last a long time. And we would, we had this kind of legend, legend, family story around when we were growing up that for a week at a time, we'd live on bacon bone soup and wheat bix. I don't know if you haven't had wheat bix before, it's freaking disgusting. I hate wheat bix so much, but I still love bacon bone soup. So there's a bonus. And so I've grown up with this lack mentality of sometimes there wasn't enough food. And even now with all of the work that I've done on myself and I've done a lot, uh, it still affects me sometimes. It's still there. And when I say that it's affected me, it's like one or two things over the last six years. One of them was when I went to a retreat and I just didn't feel that they catered enough food for people. So I was very conscious of how much people were putting on their plates, how much was left. And, you know, just it just didn't feel like there was enough for people to be eating. And we always cleaned everything out. And I just knew that people myself included at times. I also wasn't catered for as a gluten-free person. So the first night that I went to get stuff, the mainstay of the meal, I couldn't actually have. And there were a couple of other gluten-free people there that hadn't been catered for. And they did rectify that. But I had that low-grade anxiety around there's not enough food. And it takes it down to that level of survival. Our origin story, like our superhero origin story, that does affect us, and but we can change it so it doesn't affect us to the same extent that it did before, and sometimes things disappear completely. So I started dieting from a young age, from about 12, and in my little adolescent mind, I was obese, and looking back, I really wasn't. I was just eating things that just didn't serve my body. So we would have, I'd have toast before I went to school, I'd have a sandwich at school, I'd come home and I'd have toast, then I'd have like, you know dinner and sometimes I wouldn't take lunch to school because my stepfather used to make my lunch and it was fucking disgusting (laughs) like he'd make things like fish paste sandwiches and he wouldn't wrap it so I mean that's gross in itself right but he wouldn't wrap it and then it would just be smushed into the apple and I used to like get major food envy looking at other kids who were wealthier and they could buy their lunch when two dollars would buy you a pie a donut and a drink so I'd have major food envy and I was a bit of a like playground scab and I would scab all their food. I'd be like, can I have a bite? Can I have a bite? So this is the thing that I grew up with that we didn't have the nice food, that we didn't have enough and that I'd have fish paste sandwiches or sometimes lemon curd sandwiches, which, you know, they're all right if they're um fresh, but not if they've sat in your school bag all day. Or once I went to school with sardine sandwiches. Oh, gross. 
So sometimes I wouldn't take my lunch at all and I'd just maybe have sweets from the tuck shop or something for lunch. And then by the time I was walking home, I'd be coming down off this red jet planes for all those New Zealanders that are listening. I'd be coming down off this massive sugar rush, my whole body shaking like like my whole body, entire body is crashing. So around 12 years old, I decided that I was going to go on a diet and I got my mum's Weight Watchers books out and started weighing all of my food. We weren't a very sporty family at all. Like I was a real bookworm. Like I'd be happiest when we'd go to the library and I'd get a box of books and I would read them really, really fast. Like I'm a really fast reader. And I was escaping a very chaotic childhood by burying my face in a book. And you know, what's a book without snacks, right? So I, mum thought I had an eating disorder because I decided that I was going to, I decided I was going to be a bit more sporty and get myself in shape. And I started doing aerobics Oz style in the mornings before everybody else got up. And to be fair, the lounge was right by my parents' bedroom. So it would have been me bumbling around in there, like jumping up and down. So she thought I had an eating disorder and she used to listen to me outside the bathroom door thinking that I was purging. And I was never bulimic, but because to her, the fact that I was doing what she was doing and modeling her behavior with Weight Watchers was disturbing, but then add exercise into that. Oh my God, what is this girl doing with her life, right? So over the over the years, I did a lot um, to release weight. And I, when I was in my teenage years, I met a boy and I couldn't eat around him. Like I just couldn't eat. And I just did not want to eat. And so I released a lot of weight really quickly that way, but I was up and down, up and down. And then I would have only been about still, I don't know, maybe 60 kilos. And I was 18 and I got food poisoning And I got down to about 50 kilos. So in two weeks, I released 10 kilos, which is about 20 pounds for you guys in the States. And I looked like an emaciated crackhead. I was so skinny. I was skin and bone. I was dizzy. Like I I just couldn't, I had no balance. Like it was, it was the sickest I've ever been. And I would probably rather die than be that sick again. It was that bad. And my boyfriend liked me at that weight. And he was just like, you should just stop eating shit so you can stay this weight, right? And I was like, like my I could my wrist was like, you know, ridiculously. Like I could easily, easily put all my entire fingers around my wrist. It was crazy. And um then the weight started coming back on because obviously I went back to how I was eating. And then that same boyfriend, and to be fair, he wasn't a bad guy, but he was also very young, he suggested that I go to the doctor and get Duramine, which is basically amphetamines legal speed. So there's a doctor in Auckland at the time, Dr. Spackman, very well known. You just had to know what to say and he'd give you Duramine. So I started taking these diet pills and um, my house was really clean. My anxiety ratcheted through the roof. I was jumpy. I was hypervigilant. It was like full on, but my house was clean and the weight did fall off. But I didn't like how I felt on them just jumpy. And so obviously you can't continue doing that for a very long time. So I came off them and then all the weight came back on. And then rinse and repeat story of my life. Go on something, do something, stop doing it. And then the weight comes back on. You feel me, you know it, you've been there. And usually putting it all back on plus some, right? Completely. So over the next few years, I did the Susan Powter low fat 
thing. I actually really liked Susan Powter. She was awesome. And she would um, say, you know, when you go to the takeaways and you get a big thing of fried rice, because rice is really healthy, you've just got to tell them that you're allergic to the fat, so they have to take the oil out. <laughs> oh, you know, the things we did. Um, so I went on Weight Watchers. I did the lemon detox diet. I did juice cleansers. Uh, yeah, so many things. And then I ended up, um, had a few different boyfriends, ended up breaking up with a boyfriend, released a whole bunch of weight. And then I flew to the UK when I was 27 to live my life over there. And when I got to the UK, I started putting on weight because, you know, going out and drinking with my workmates after work. And I quickly had to switch from wine to a gin and tonic or something because I was packing on the weight and also getting really pissed because I'm a real lightweight. I don't drink anymore, but when I did drink, I was a lightweight. And um, so I packed on the weight really quickly. But then what happened was I discovered cocaine. I was just like, let the party begin. And there were so many upsides, so many, you know, it made me feel good. I felt confident and um, it was just an escape. And so for quite a few years, I was the party girl and I did get down to a point where even friends were like, I went to see my friend, went to his house for dinner and we we're both very open and we'd been friends for years. And he goes, Bron, um, where have your tits gone? Like, <laughs> I'd released so much weight that I was just like, you know, way too skinny. And, you know, nice problem to have, right? But not when you get to that point. And then I decided that that wasn't going to be my life anymore and that I didn't want to do it. So I stopped taking Coke so much. I still did a little bit, but not as a lifestyle. And in that time that I stopped taking or stopped partying all the time, I started putting the weight back on. Because if you've got something that you're hiding from, stories, trauma, memories, feelings, then you're going to try and block it out with whatever substance you've got. And many of us choose food. So I've never really been a massive, I mean, obviously I'm a Kiwi drinker, just like an Aussie drinker is. So we drink more than the average anyway, but I was never a massive drinker, you know, like I wasn't outside the norms, which are ridiculously high anyway for Aussies and New Zealanders. But my weak spot was definitely cocaine and ecstasy and you know, loved it and until I didn't anymore. And I was just like, right, I'm ready for health reasons to step back from this. And um, so I stepped back and then the weight came back on. So then I got food obsessed and I got these tablets over the counter and they are kind of like Xenical. It was called Alley tablets, like the branding of it. Alley, so cute, so light, so lilting. Alley, fun, Alley. No, um, massive issues like huge huge issues and I'm so pleased that I wasn't on them for very long because I looked them up a little while ago and the side effects of them are insane like you know liver issues kidney issues like all of these things that they've learned since and one of the side effects which is quite unfortunate is anal leakage and it went by the misguided notion that if you eat too much fat, then you're going to get fat, which is actually ridiculously not true. So I went to this Lebanese restaurant one night, did not realize how much fat was in Lebanese dips and was happily eating pita bread and dips. And then I walked home 
through London, through the streets of London. And it was one of the most horrific experiences of my life. Like walking down the road, clenching my butt so I don't poop my pants, like full body goosebumps and having to stop every now and then. I was outside BBC Studios. I can remember it so clearly, like panting. I haven't had kids panting like I was in labor, like like trying not to shit myself. And it was the most horrific walk home. And I actually thought at one point, I'm just going to have to go in the gutter. Like it was quite late. There weren't that many people around. I was like, I'm just going to have to go in the gutter. And you cannot do that, Bron. You cannot do that. Just keep walking. So I eventually got home and just made it. And I don't think I took them again after that, or maybe a little, little bit, but you know, you can't keep doing that, right? But what I did notice was that other things were making me, you know, have quite violent reactions but it's still even though it started sinking in that perhaps I wasn't you know gluten probably wasn't my friend I still kept eating it and I remember being in Rome and (laughs) with my friend Chad and yeah I did have an accident because the bread in Rome Oh, Italian bread when they when you go out for dinner. I was probably having bread and pizza and all of those things. And then, <laughs> and he's just my mate, and we're, but we're staying in the same room. And I was just like, Chad, you cannot come back to the room. And he's just walking back, and I'm racing down the street, clenching my butt together, trying to get back to the room. Anyway, there were so many things that I just was not listening to my body. One, the food I was eating, two, the diets that I was on. And I'd like to say that was the end of it, but it wasn't. I did things like, um, you know, the lemon detox diet and I was staying with my sister. I'd come back from London, I think, and I thought that was a good time to do a diet. So I did that. And um, I remember lying in agony on her couch, like I probably, I don't know, kidney or liver stuff. And I was just, it was just ridiculous. And in the end, I just had to start eating again. Uh, I've done wraps, like, you know, the wrap that you think that you put this wrap on and it looks like Glad Wrap or Saran Wrap, cling film, and it's going to melt your fat away. Yeah, that obviously doesn't work. How ridiculous. I've done all the shakes. I've done, you know, all of the things. I didn't do uh, Jenny Craig's because I even then I was just like, how ridiculous that you get the food delivered. You don't learn anything about how to release the weight and then you stop, right? And then it all comes back on. Um, But that logic didn't extend to having those chalky ass shakes. They're so gross. And then getting excited because you're about to have a wafer as a snack and the wafer is the size of a disc and it's like a chalk disc and that's like your morning tea. (laughs) Okay. So yeah, all of these dodgy diets, all of these things. And what really... The low point for me was when I was at my biggest and I'd started my business and I was a business coach and it was all very insecure financially. And um, I was also, I'd moved by this stage from the UK and I'd moved to Australia. And as you can hear from my accent, I'm from New Zealand and I moved to Australia and I didn't um, party anymore. And I still drank, but I didn't party anymore. And all of the things that I'd been suppressing for so many years suddenly started coming to the surface. There was a lot of shame. There was a lot of blame. There was a lot of recrimination around the time that I spent partying and that I'd wasted a decade of my life. Um, You know, I wasn't in the same position as a lot of other people, didn't have a house and all that sort of stuff. And I was like, what am I doing with my life? 
So I decided to become my own boss and I was a copywriter, I was a business coach and my weight just kept creeping up, creeping up, creeping up. And then I got to a point where I was 41, I think, 40 or 41 and maybe, or maybe even 42. How old am I now? I just turned 47. So yeah, I was 41 and I'd said, I'd given myself a thing. I'm going to be 40 and fabulous, 40 and fabulous. And I'm going to be, you know, 60 kilos or whatever. I can't remember. My, my thing for a while was looking great at 58. Um, and I was going to be that. And that was my goal. It didn't happen. Just passed me by. And I was more and more miserable. Anyway, I went to a retreat and I had, it was a 10 day retreat where I was actually, it wasn't a retreat so much. I was learning how to do a modality. And I got up the front of the room and had to introduce myself and I just started crying. And I was like, all I want to do is be able to love my body, to be able to love myself and love my body. And I felt like an overstuffed sausage and I could not, once the floodgates opened, I just could not stop crying. And that was a really, that was my rock bottom where I was like, right, no more. So I just started um, releasing the weight slowly. So a few kilos came off and I was just conscious around when I was reaching for food to numb down my emotions and my feelings. And then I was still a business coach at the time and was quite unfulfilled and really wanted to make a difference in the world. And one of my beautiful clients had just done her hypnotherapy training and I was helping her with her website and looking at all of the reviews that she had and testimonials that she had about how she was helping people change their lives and weirdly a couple of months before that I'd had a sales call with a woman who was a hypnotherapist and she specialized in weight release so I thought at the time I was like wow that is the coolest job that is so cool so it's kind of you know when they just plant the seeds so anyway I did my hypnotherapy training and absolutely loved it and all of the creativity that I have um, my use of words and language and imagination. It was just perfect for what this job entails and the journey that you lead people on. So then I started to release the weight and I started inviting people along on the journey with me. And I was very open that I was releasing the weight at the same time and started creating processes and started sharing what I was doing to release the weight. And that's what I'm going to share with you now. So the first thing that I did was I got, I'd, I'd actually stopped drinking by that stage. And I did think when I stopped drinking that the weight was just going to fall off, but it didn't because I just swapped it out for other things. Uh, so I got to the point um, where I was just conscious about what I was eating. And what I did is I took the food that I really wanted to eat and I took it off the pedestal. So I was the girl that could smash three magnums in a day like three magnum ice creams full-size magnum ice creams in my defense at the time the power had gone out and I didn't want them to go to waste I didn't give a shit about the rest of the stuff in the freezer <laughs> I was saving those magnums like my life depended on it and around the same time I remember going up to the supermarket for a for some paper towels and it was like somebody had given a five-year-old child a hundred dollars and let them loose in the supermarket and I bought everything. I bought um, chocolate. I bought sweets. I bought chips. And I came back and I put them on the bench. The only adult thing that I had was a bag of spinach. And I forgot the paper towels. And so at this around this point, I started getting more conscious about what I was doing. I realized that gluten is really not my friend. 
it is not my friend. It's a massive cause of inflammation. So I release gluten from my life. And then I realized dairy is not my friend either. And now when I eat, uh, and now, like this is years down the track now of being on this journey. Now when I, um, I can eat a little bit of dairy. So I, and sometimes I can eat a little bit of sourdough. There's a pizzeria up in Noosa that I really like. And I can have one or two slices of pizza and it's absolutely fine. But there's, I wouldn't go to Domino's and get a pizza, for instance. There's a difference, right? I released gluten for the most part and I released dairy and I just started being conscious around the portion sizes that I had as well. I was probably eating enough for three people at a meal. And the, the reason why I realized that was that I was, I went to the IGA and which is like a little mini supermarket. And I saw a Pete Evans meal who is famous for his paleo stance and then his other more alternative stances. And I saw one of his prepackaged meals and was like, is that the size of the meal? Are you, are you kidding me? And I'd have like a big plate full of rice and potato or not and potato, you know, different meals. And it just made me realize how much I was eating. So I cut back way back my portion size. And a good rule of thumb is to have a palm-sized portion of quality protein, a palm-sized portion of starchy carbs, and also to have the rest of your plate filled up with colorful vegetables and leafy greens. That's what I started doing. I started baking my ass off and found lots of different ways to have things that um, that I wanted to have that weren't mass produced, you know. So I'd use almond flour, I'd use sugar substitutes that were healthy, like sugar alcohol. Um, yeah, so I did things that so I did never felt like I was losing out or you know, yeah, missing out on anything. I also started moving my body in a way that I started doing yoga. And when I think about moving your body, it's really about moving energy through your body. I never went to yoga to lose weight. I'm doing ironic air quotes there. I did it to connect back into my body again and start listening to what my body was telling me because I'd been disconnected from my body for so long. And the most important aspect of my entire transformation was all around me listening to the hypnosis that I was creating for myself and now in my programs for other people as well. It was a game changer. It made me realize how much I'd been hating on myself. It made me realize how much I'd been suppressing my feelings with food. And it gave me the space in my mind and the loving approach. So anytime there was ever a, a time where I would indulge in something that didn't make me feel so good, instead of berating myself and flagellating myself, I'd be like, oh, that's interesting information. It's all just information. And then I wouldn't have that need to spiral off into, you know, well, I've done that now. I may as well just eat everything in sight for a couple of weeks until I loathe myself again. I realized that loving myself was the most important part of it, reprogramming my mind. And I also did intermittent fasting, which is something that I still do today. And, you know, there are many schools of thought about intermittent fasting, and I am going to do an episode on it. And some of them really are encouraging almost disordered eating. And I think it's quite dangerous, to be honest, especially for um, women who have had a history of disordered eating. The intermittent fasting that I did and still do is 816. And what it's doing is it's just giving you a loving boundary to eat in an eight hour window and then fast for 16 hours. And when you eat in an eight hour window, once your window is closed, 
you don't have to make any more decisions. You don't have to think, oh, should I have that? Oh, I shouldn't have that. Oh, am I allowed that? Like, you know, I never, am I allowed that is never in my vocabulary or any of my clients' vocabulary either. And so I would just finish my eating window and then that was it. I don't eat anymore. I'm done until the next day. And when you do that, it's giving your body the opportunity to actually utilize that excess tissue on your body as fuel. And it's also cutting out that nighttime eating when many people are burning a track. And I know that I used to as well, burning a track between the fridge, the pantry and the couch. Fridge, pantry, couch. Oh, I wonder if they're oh, opening the fridge up again. Oh, you know, like that whole thing. And also feeling like you deserve to have that food or wine or whatever because you've adulted that day and that you deserve it. So all of that went out the window and food was no longer a reward and it was no longer a treat because I'm not a dog. It just really changed the way that I view food. And, you know, I still show love to people by cooking food for them and sharing food with them but it's not a love substitute, which is the biggest thing. And that's what I was using food as for myself. To love myself, I was eating food. And then when I found that self-love from within and with the hypno programming, then I just didn't need that food. Now, I'm not saying in this last six years that I haven't put on weight either. So I released 27 kilos and then I was actually a little bit too skinny. It was, my friend said to me, you actually look a little bit sick. So I put a little bit on and then I found a sort of like a set point that was a bit above that. And I stayed at that set point pretty much um, all the way, even through COVID. And then little things, it, it comes back to safety. It comes back to when you feel like you need to eat more. And for me, a lot of that is around relationships and dating. Every time that I've started dating, I might release a little bit, but then I'd stop dating and then I'd put a little bit on for protection. And so I realized that I do it and I'm okay with that because it's a coping mechanism and it's not out of control. It's just a few kilos here and there. And then I release it again. And I even went to Sydney on a road trip and put on three kilos, but then came back and within a week, two weeks, it was, you know, I was back to normal. So my weight does fluctuate up and down just a tiny little bit. The difference now is I'm never on a diet. I'm never down on myself. I never jump on the scales and think, oh my God, you're up a kilo. That just never happens to me anymore. It's important just to get curious about when you are putting on weight, if you do put on a few kilos, why that is. And I realized for me this year, one of the reasons that I'd put on weight was I started eating at nighttime again. And I tell you why I was doing it. It was so fascinating. I was watching the show alone. Have you seen it? It's so good. So the concept of the show is that they drop 10 people off and they've got 10 survival items and they put them into these very harsh environments. It like usually it's heading into winter. So they've got a couple of weeks of autumn before it heads into winter and they have to get themselves sorted. But then what happens is towards the end, like probably about, the fifth episode in, food starts running out, gets really scarce, their trap lines and snares um, and the fishing doesn't work so well anymore. Don't watch this if you're a vegan, by the way. And so I would basically be watching people starving and I started eating to compensate like I was eating for them. You are welcome alone contestants. I was eating on your behalf. And then as soon as I realized I was doing it, 
then I just stopped. And then I went back into I don't eat at night time. Just like that. No story. No guilt. No blame. No shame. Nothing associated with it. Just, oh, that's interesting that I did that. How funny. That's the difference between having a diet mentality and just realizing that you're on this journey and this is a journey of a lifetime and that occasionally there are going to be dips, there are going to be peaks and you're actually okay with whatever it is as long as you've got that same mindset of like, I wonder why I did that. That's interesting. That's curious. I wonder what part of me needed something then. What was my unmet need? I hope that that's given you some insight into what I did and how I did it and reprogramming your mind to create this feeling that you have about yourself, the thoughts that you have about yourself, the words that you use about yourself and right down to your identity, your behavior, your habits, your actions is the key. It is the key because then you don't have to try with motivation, willpower and discipline because they're dodgy motherfuckers and they don't hang around. This is where this just becomes embedded into the fabric of who you are and it's how you show up in the world. It's your belief about yourself, your belief about food, your belief about the world. So I hope that's been helpful and that's my story and they all lived happily ever after. The end. In each episode of Weight Release Revolution there are going to be special segments. The first segment in today's episode is called Bronze Favourite Finds and this is where I share things with you that I'm really loving right now and I think that you ought to know about. And what I've been loving lately that has made my morning ritual so divine is a sugar-free chai. This is not your average chai powder. This is something special and magical and you're going to love it. It's from realchai.com.au. You got to get the sugar-free one. Now, it's not the cheapest, I'm going to be honest with you. But when I compare it to buying a drink out, then, you know, that levels out. And I've got loads of drinks in my cupboard. Loads. I don't drink caffeinated coffee, so I have lots of different drink options. Um, hot drink, and I, I can make them cold drinks, whatever. This is currently my firm favorite and has been for about the last month. So good. You may want to start with the 200 gram pack, but I promise you that pretty soon you're going to be ordering the kilo pack. It's that good. The latest discount code that I found for them is Chai Lover, and that gives you free shipping. And another thing, that I'd like to share with you once which since we're talking another thing that I'd like to share with you since we're talking about chai is that if you call something a chai tea you're basically saying tea tea so don't be that girl in future episodes of weight release revolution you're going to enjoy the segment called dodgy diet or diet device tear down in this segment I'm going to share with you the insane the ineffective, ridiculous, and sometimes downright dangerous diets and devices on the market. Now, if you've got one that you'd like me to cover, if you've seen something ridiculous or something that is starting to irk you that you've seen out there in the land of weight loss, miracle cures, snake oil, 
then shoot me over the details to team, T-E-A-M, at mindkey, M-I-N-D-K-E-Y, dot com, dot A-U, and I will feature it on a future episode. And now it's time for our last segment of the show, and it's called, That's Not As Healthy As You Think It Is. The first contender for That's Not As Healthy As You Think It Is, is a fruit. It's a date. Now, I'm anti-diet. I'm never going to say don't eat this, don't eat that, whatever. I'm all about what feels right for your for your body. And you also need to understand that if you're eating things that are so high in sugar, thinking that it's healthy, then you're doing yourself a disservice. Medijul dates are naturally sweet and they're like caramelly and they are bloody delicious. And I'm not saying that I don't eat dates, but what I am saying is if you think that you're being super healthy and you're having lots of raw slices with dates, you're having bliss balls with dates and you're having, you know, a date after or a couple of three or four dates after a meal, you're actually eating a bucket load of sugar. Each Medijul date, Medijul or Medijul, however you say it, date has between 15 to 18 grams of carbs. So if you just really simply, not taking into account the fiber of it, because I just make this a really simple equation, I just look at how many grams of carbs are in something, and then I divide it by five. A teaspoon is five grams, right? And then you can see how much carbs are in it, so you can see how it affects your body. If you've got 18 grams of carbs, 15 to 18 grams, you've got between three and three and a half teaspoons of sugar that you're having in each date. I eat dates. I use dates in baking and, you know, I make the most amazing caramel sauce with dates. I'm very aware of how much sugar is in them and I treat them accordingly. So just giving you a heads up if you think that you're making a healthy food choice and eating lots of bliss balls, raw slices and all that sort of thing. Highly calorific. Again, I don't count calories. I don't count carbs, but it's being conscious about what you're eating and how it's affecting your body. When I do that very rough, very unscientific calculation, I'm not taking into effect or account the fiber and that does have some effect on it, but I just want to keep it a really simple thing. I'm just doing it for me and I share it with my clients. If you look at Uh, processed food or things that have like a really high carbohydrate content and divide it by five then you just have that mental awareness of how many teaspoons of sugar that is fat and fiber do affect how that sugar actually enters your bloodstream again if you have a date every now and then or a sweet finish after a meal or I saw recently somebody had a date covered in bitter dark chocolate it was like a youtube video that i was watching and i was like that's amazing you could even make it half a date half a date covered in really dark dark chocolate and you've got that bitter and that sweet and that caramel and that you know that would really work just realizing how it affects you knowledge is power and you get to use this knowledge to benefit your body and that's a wrap on our episode and i'll be back i'll actually be back tomorrow because i want some more episodes in the bank And um, then the episodes will be weekly every Tuesday. But for the next couple of days, I'm banking an episode every day. So you've got 
more of me to listen to. Thanks for listening to this episode of Weight Release Revolution. Now, every good revolution needs people. And so I would be ever so grateful if you could share this podcast out with friends and family. You know those conversations when people start running themselves down or looking for miracle diet cures. Just share this podcast with them. Another way that you can share is to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts because that's showing Apple, hey, more people need to see this. And every time you leave a five-star rating, an angel gets her wings. True story. Be sure to subscribe yourself so you don't miss out on any future episodes. I've made you a whole bunch of valuable resources that you can find by clicking through on the link that starts in Go and ends in the word hello in the podcast description or show notes. So it's go.mindkey.com.au forward slash hello. And those resources are fabulous. You've got a free hypno download that supports you to break up with diets forever. There's a workshop that you can listen to to find out your sabotaging behaviors. You can listen to more hypno recordings over on my YouTube channel. And there's paid programs and ways to work more intensively with me over there. So go over and check that out. And I'll see you in the next episode. Love you. Believe in you. You've got this.